Hello folks, I am Joshua Campbell. And I'm Jack Penley. And you are listening to A Table for Two with a View, a new podcast where Jack and I talk about stories that we find interesting and fascinating that are centered in food or food culture. So it's basically us nerding out about anything to do with food from ingredients, myths, restaurants, chefs, pretty much anything that is linked to the food world. Hey guys, welcome to A Table for Two with a View. If you just follow me, please, I'll show you to your table. For our first episode, Jack, hopefully I am going to blow your mind a little with a bit of knowledge that I only found out recently. And through my research on the subject, I ended up thinking that maybe everything I thought was real is a lie. Right, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but we're storytelling here. So we're storytelling. <laughs> so, right, okay, what's your mind blowing facts here? We're going to be talking about when life gives you lemons. Do you like lemons, Jack? Yeah, lemons are awesome. Like, for me personally, lemons are so good in like um, desserts. So, kind of like that tartness mixed with everything. So, like lemon cheesecake, lemon sorbet, candied lemon zest. But to be honest, though, limes are king. They are, but limes are only good for a rum and pineapple sour. <laughs> is that is that where your argument comes in? But uh, yeah. That's, uh, we're not, we're not going to be talking about a lime, we're, lo- we're talking specifically about lemons or that will kind of move further into the citrus family. So, Super. before I take you back 20 million years, I think oh. I might need to take you back to year 7 biology. So, <laughs> when I was researching the, this topic, I very quickly realized that I don't remember anything about biology uh, from my high school days so i had to like go to bbc bite size to kind of <laughs> to, <laughs> to kind of refresh my memory and stuff so i assume the biomedical or the bio part of your biomedical science degree kind of gives you more of a uh uh understanding an understanding of what i'm talking about but just yeah, for our listeners hope. that kind of are like me and have a need a little bit crash of a crash course i'm gonna go through pretty much uh plant reproduction in general. So, oh, okay. I want you to imagine you're a bee taking flight from the hive, okay? Just imagine <laughs> you're a bee and you're 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 buzzing your way to a patch of flowers that you've been eyeing up for hours and you want that sweet juicy nectar. And that flower has put it on a platter just for you, right? You see this, Jack? Are you seeing this in your head? I am. This is right. mission star plant I'm at. So, you land on the flower and you slurp yeah. up all that it can give you and you take off to the next flower but as you're flying around you notice there's pollen that's all over your body but you know eh, occupational hazard doesn't really affect you at all so you kind of just you're paying me a nectar i don't care cover me in all your pollen exactly so you land on the next flower and some of the pollen rubs off and then you land on the next flower and more pollen rubs off and then the next flower and the next flower and the next flower and the next flower and then you head on home, job done, it's honey time, you're full of nectar. Right. So, <laughs> there was a point to that story. I wasn't just going on about bees. Now... Or me being a bee. <laughs> or you being a bee. Now, all that pollen that you've been spreading all over the orchard contains the male gametes, or the male, the male DNA of a single plant. And when it rubs off you onto another flower stigma, or the female reproductive organ, the pollen will grow a pollen tube down through the style and will eventually fertilize the ovary. 
The now fertilized ovary develops into a seed and then plants that do fruit, the flower then expands into, or the ovary of the flower expands into a fruit. Then the fruit gets eaten by another animal and then it gets discarded by the animal in another location, falls into the ground and now starts a new plant life. Boom, science. Josh the botanist. I, I am now certified PhD in horticulture and botany <laughs> from BBC Bite Size. There you go. Shout out to BBC Bite Size. Josh all plants, ladies and gentlemen. That's how he knows it. <laughs> so, yeah, basically, that's how pollination works. That's how plants reproduce. And oh, thank you for telling me. And this, this method of cross-pollination, or cross-pollination in general, is essential to why we're talking about how life gives you lemons because people might not realize that lemons aren't actually natural to a, a degree oh, but they're fruit yeah but they're fruit but they're not actually natural so jack now that we're all cut up we're out of school yep i'm gonna send I'm you no back longer. yeah you're, you're no longer a seventh grader or a year seventh student sorry that's my yeah. american coming through yeah a yankee we're gonna send you back to the miocene period So the Miocene period was roughly 23 million to 5 million years ago. That's where our story begins, or where our citrusy story begins. I want you to, we're going to make you imagine again. See, there's a lot of imagination that comes into this podcast, right? We're telling stories here. Now, I want you to imagine you're in a beautiful, lush terrain with hills and valleys aplenty, right? Flora and fauna are thriving, and it's just pure bliss. It's pure bliss. I even got the dragonflies too. Yeah, you even got dragonflies. Forget about the potential <laughs> of being eaten by a predator or some massive herbivore. Like, just ignore them. They're, they're just ignoring you. Yeah, that's fine. Like, the herbivores are just walking around you. They're not going to trample you. So just, just relax and chill out, right? It's all good. But you, 20 to 5 million years ago, suddenly get a massive craving to eat a lemon. <laughs> <laughs> Right? Okay. <laughs> just, just bear with me here. Right? Just bear oh, with me. I did that in a pub once. Oh, it's not. <laughs> it's not an old thing. <laughs> Jack Fenley, or Jack Fenley's ancestor, suddenly has a massive craving to eat a lemon. All right. And you want that? You just want to tear into its tart deliciousness, and then you get your dose of vitamin C. But for the life of you, no matter how much you search, there isn't a single lemon to be found. And unfortunately, your craving, <laughs> your craving for a lemon will not be satisfied until much, much later in uh, Earth's timeline. This valley that you're standing in is the Assam region. It's in the northeastern part of India, and it's just nestled to the southeast of the Himalayas and northwest of the Myanmar. Uh, of Myanmar. So it's, it's, it's quite a lush area with, with valleys, and so quite, quite perfect for um, cultivating fruit. According to a paper published by researchers in the Journal of Nature in 2018, the Assam region here is where it all began for citrus. Here in Southeast Asia, 5 to 23 million years ago, right? So what I'm getting at is the vast majority of citrus fruits that are sold commercially are hybrids. And that's what I mean by they're not natural. They don't grow. They didn't grow naturally in the wild. They're all, oh, they're all hybrids. Yeah, they're, they're, they're all hybrids. So humans kind of have created these, uh, or humans have created the citrus that we find in um, stores 
be a cross-pollination. And I actually had absolutely no idea about this because I remember when I first came when I first came to the story for you I was like a madman going lemons aren't real they they, <laughs> they, they, they don't it's grow it's all a lie get but, your camera style beams <laughs> but yeah so um these fruits uh lemons in particular are, are cross-pollinated and they're 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 uh, a cultivar uh, or specific cultivars of 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 the original citruses that grow that grew in the past so, mm. like anything from like your limes, your your sweet oranges, your clementines, your your tangelos, yeah. your grapefruits, yeah, they're they're all they're all um, yuzus. Yeah, yuzus. They're all they're all um, um, hybrids Grapefruit. of different of uh, of different um, citruses. But on top of that, on top of finding where they originally started, there's a lot of research that's been done to determine what their original so-called natural citrus fruits are and there are four of them okay there are four yeah. citrus fruits and that they are like grapefruit orange nope they are the pomelo pomelo okay the mandarin mandarin's a type of orange mm, but the mandarin's apparently the original orange <laughs> <laughs> the papeda the what the papeda and papeda. then the citron citron yeah citron like part. Uh, yeah, no, that's Citroën. <laughs> Citroën. The fact that you remember that is actually very impressive. <laughs> you can just you. cite the motto of a kind of vague <laughs> French manufacturer, uh, car manufacturer. But now, these fruits are the granddaddies and the grandmammies of the citrus world. And like I said, every lime, orange, grapefruit, citrus comes from these four. And just for people that may not be aware what all these four are i'll go through a little description for you so the pomelo is the largest of the citrus family and it's about the size of a human head like it's a kind of a sinister way to kind of describe it but it's about the size of a human head or it can grow to the size of a human head the peel is green with uh yellow tints and the pulp itself can be either red or white and it's quite quite large elongated pulp or individual segments basically uh, a mandarin is about the size. I mean, I don't know if you agree with me here, here Jack, but I'd say the mandarin is about the size of a large egg. <laughs> um, smaller than a tennis ball, but larger than a ping pong ball is where I'd put it. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's a pretty good way to put it. Um, again, this is not a science podcast. We're just no, wait, no. <laughs> it's <a> science. <laughs> um, but yeah, so about the size of uh, uh bigger than a, uh, bigger than a ping pong ball, smaller than a tennis ball. Shaped like a flat oval, I mean, it's orange in color, and they tend to be quite sweet as well. Like I think mandarins yeah. are probably kind of the, the tastiest um, fruits out, uh, citrus out there. The papeda is like a really lumpy, bumpy lime. So imagine like imagine a lime that has the <laughs> the texture of a brain. It's quite, it's quite, it's quite freaky to look at. It's quite cool. And then lastly, the citron looks like a lemon that is also like textured like a brain. And then this is kind of the most disgusting part for me is it's 60% rind. When you cut one open, it's a massive circle of just pith. So you just got that much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've got... Centimeter of actual yeah, fruit. <laughs> dude, imagine, imagine a lemon with pretty much just a centimeter of actual pulp <laughs> and the rest is just, just bitterness and hate. <laughs> That's the most useless fruit ever. Yeah, it's like, like it, it, you can see kind of why. Uh, lemons came about when the when because it, it, it looks like a lemon but disappointing it's like a disappointing lemon basically 
So, <laughs> in my research, uh, or in the process of researching this, I found a chart that plots out how much genetic data mod modern citruses contain of their ancestors. And um, this chart's data was taken from a paper published in the Annals of Botany Journal in 2016, and it shows the hybridization in citric cultivars specifically within the genetic mixing of three ancestral species, so the mandarin, or in this case it's noted as the true mandarin, the citron, and then pomelos. So, I've got some questions for you for you here, Jack, and I'll be very surprised if you actually get these right. So, right. I'm gonna ask. I'm gonna tell you a fruit and or a, a citrus, uh -huh. and you're gonna have to guess the percentage of pomelo, citron, and mandarin in that fruit. Do I get points? Is it to the nearest ten or what? Uh, we'll see. I mean, I'll. If, if you what? get if you if, if you get it all right, you also get a BBC bite size diploma. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> right. So first off, the Eureka lemon. And for those who don't know, the Eureka lemon's what you buy in in Tesco and Asda. It's your most probably probably most common lemon out there. So how much how much citron, mandarin, and pomelo do you think a Eureka lemon contains, Jack? Uh, let's go sixty citron. Mm-hmm. 13 mandarin and mm -hmm. then 10 pomelo. You're really not that far off. I'm actually very surprised you got that. So, ah, get up again. so a Eureka lemon is 50% citron. 30% oh. mandarin, so you're exactly right. 30% mandarin. Oh. And then 20% pomelo. So I assume like in that my genius is frightening. In that in that in that breeding process, my assumption would be it's exactly how we think it is. They just wanted to make a citron more appealing by creating more fruit than there is actual like an actual useful fruit <laughs> yeah. instead of a grape surrounded by an inch of pith either side exactly and i guess that's where the pomelo comes in because of the size of the actual pulp and then the mandarin's probably to balance out the tartness of of yeah. the citron um and next also the citron the pomelo um, and the mandarin, the true mandarin, are they still kicking around, or have they? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So the true mandarin, you find the true mandarin tends to be still given out at like, um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not rituals, but kind of like uh, cultural events in China or Southeast Asia. They gift mandarin trees. Oh, okay. Um, especially right. during Chinese New Year, uh, you see them. When I was living in Singapore, you see them all over the place, and they're really beautiful plants. Um, the pomelo is pretty much. I think. I think I could get this wrong. I didn't really look into it, but. Since I grew up in Southeast Asia, you got them. We got them everywhere in Southeast Asia, and they're delicious. And oh, really? they, uh, they, you can buy them here, but of course, because they're imported, they're not quite the same. But when you yeah. get them fresh, they, they don't. They're, they're somewhere right between sour and sweet, but they have this little bitterness towards them. So in Philippines, we like to dip them in salt, which creates like a. Oh, like a, a yeah, yeah, pretty much. Like imagine, okay. it's not as, it's not as like sharp as a grapefruit is, in my opinion. Yeah, but it, it's. Yeah, yeah, and um, so we, we we dip it in salt to create this really interesting uh, amalgamation of flavors. So yeah, all of these are kicking about. Citrons, not so much because we have lemons now. Um, <laughs> we upgraded. So yeah, we, we actually found something useful. <laughs> so speaking of grapefruit, what percentage of these natural ancestors is in a grapefruit? I'm gonna say equal parts mandarin and pomelo. So thirty-five percent of those two. And then the last 30 of citron. Right, so apparently, according to this graph, there is no citron in 
a grapefruit. It's 60% pomelo and 40% mandarin. Well, that's wrong. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, well, according to this graph, there, there, there's either zero, or I doubt it's zero, but there's probably a minuscule amount of um, yeah. citron in there. But when you look at a grapefruit, it kind of makes sense considering this. It's like it's, it's it's quite a big citrus, so it's got the size of a pomelo, yeah. uh, or just under the size of a pomelo, and then the the color and everything comes from the mandarin. And then okay, that uh, makes sense. Another one, the last one, is the clementine. How much? What do you think the, gene the genetic? Um, distribution is 85 mandarin and then the 15 pomelo. You got that right. So there is no citron. You're right on that part. Yeah. There's no citron, but it's 70% mandarin and 30% pomelo. Which it kind of surprises me considering the size of mandarins. Yeah, well, but seventeen not much bigger. They're not that big. This... Or, or sorry, I mean the size of pomelos. Yeah. That's quite surprising to me considering the size of, of clementines. I thought, I, I mean, in my head, the clementine is exactly the same size as the mandarin, but I may I may be wrong. I haven't had a clementine in a while. Yeah, but, no. But I, I assume the, the, the pomelo part of this kind of contributes to this little bit of tartness that clementines come with, compared to, like, tangerines tend to be on the way on the sweeter side to me. Yeah, true. So, yeah, apart from the four natural citrus, fruit, citrus fruits, every other citrus is a descendant of the combination of these four or three, or depending, it's it's, it's the hybridization of them. However, I did I did read that there are disputes that the kumquat could be a considered a fifth natural citrus fruit, and that actually made me think cause I didn't know that kumquats could were considered citrus fruits. <laughs> that is dying. <laughs> so I didn't really I didn't I didn't really look too much into that, but like it's it's kind of mad to think like. How from a million, 23 to 5 million years in the past did a, a lemon end up in your fruit basket? Like, like you kind of you take it for granted because you would think that lemons are just kind of been around forever and you wouldn't really yeah, think a about lemon's it. a lemon. A lemon's a lemon, yeah. you don't really question it. So, after lemons being secluded mostly to the northeastern region of India and cultivated there for supposedly 2,500 years, Arab mm -hmm. traders brought the lemon plant to Africa and then the Middle East, yep. and that was around 100 CE. So, they then introduced the lemon to Italy in 200 CE. So that's kind of where the, the start of like Sicilian lemons come from. Is It's around 200 yeah. CE. Like, really, really early. And then it wasn't until the 12th century, so almost 800, 900 years later, where lemons were commonly cultivated throughout the rest of the Mediterranean. And even then, like, between this time, lemons weren't re really used for cooking. They were used as ornaments, as, like, houseplants. Because yeah, a lot of citrus fruits were as well. Yeah, it used to be bananas as well, pineapples were fruit yeah. ornaments, and apparently tomatoes as well were also ornamental and ornamental plants. And um, I mean, you can kind of imagine it. Like imagine, like it, they were using ornamental plants a lot for for the ancient Romans. And you can imagine, like we have lemon scented everything nowadays, like lemon scented yeah. car wash, <laughs> Le lemon scented <laughs> bubble gum, you know, or lemon flavored like. If, if I'm at the shower this morning smelling like a citrus corn. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you can imagine like walking into a really wealthy Roman like like politician's house and having a lemon tree just kind of waft its scent. Um, um, imagine like picking up a bird from a bar and you go back to her house and her walls are just littered with different <laughs> <scents>. <laughs> like, I, I you think like, this is my grapefruit it comes from. <laughs> unless, you're, unless you're like super into botany it could be like a really <laughs> a really interesting uh, conversation starter um, when you get back to her flat 
But yeah. Uh, it's just like, what's this on the wall? It's just like, it's my lemon. Have you ever seen one before? <laughs> like, <laughs> I, honestly, I could. I, 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 I don't. I, I couldn't tell you if I've ever seen a lemon tree in person. I used to have a small one in the house when I was growing up as a kid. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I produced like two lemons annually and they were terrible. <laughs> but it was there. It was just ornamental. Yeah, yeah where I grew up, yeah. where I grew up, uh, where where my family grew up in the Philippines, lime, lime bushes were just all over the place. So if you wanted lime, you could just pick them off, um, pick yeah. them off the side of the road. But anyway, continuing from this, um, it wasn't until after the 12th century when the Crusaders brought it to the rest of Europe. So they were kind of, for, for 800 or for a thousand years, they were kind of relegated to the Mediterranean um north africa or kind of northwest africa northeast africa and then the middle east and the sort like that um yeah. it was in the 15th century when lemons became used as an integral ingredient in european cuisine so it took it did take them quite a while to kind of figure out huh <laughs> this is pretty good yeah it's pretty good and then in 1493 christopher columbus brought the lemon or specifically like lemon seeds over to hispaniola to the new world and then by yeah. 1751, California was cultivating lemons, and then in the 1800s, Florida lemons were being used in cooking. So now, you're the first person to put like a lemon in food. They must have been like shunned for a while. <laughs> it's just like, why would you put an ornament in your pasta? Yeah, it's like it's like you delinquent. It's like throwing your orchid into a stew or something. Like that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, they they figured out uh, the that there's culinary. I mean, it was used for it was used for medicine for a long time. So like, in, in 1747. The first medical trials were performed to test if lemons could be consumed by sailors to cure the symptoms of scurvy. And yeah. as we know now, but obviously it wasn't known back then, it was vitamin C that cured scurvy. So the medical tests were designed by actually a Scottish doctor called James Lind. He was born in Edinburgh. Yeah, I have a gin named after him in my account. Oh, uh, really? I didn't know that they yeah, did gin. Uh, to be fair, they have gin names of everything nowadays. But um, yeah. oh, what I find really funny about this story about James Lind is how he went through the medical process so basically he, he broke the sailors into batches and then he gave each batch of sailor a specific item to see if what was working best towards um curing it and it was the items that apart from because he gave uh two oranges and a lemon to one batch of the sailors and they realized that it was the fruit that was kind of curing the, the symptoms of the scurvy they didn't realize it was specifically vitamin c but it was the other things that he gave the other groups that made me laugh so much so first off uh, he gave one group of sailors vinegar, just straight up vinegar. <laughs> <laughs> so the next one, this is what made me laugh about, is he gave them diluted sulfuric acid. What? Yes. He didn't like those. No. He knew exactly what he did with that batch. Yeah, I think, in my opinion, it was kind of like, this is bad, but this is worse, and maybe the worse will kill the bad. And then, <laughs> you know, like like some kind of can't have scurvy if you're dead. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can't digest stuff if there's nothing in your stomach that's able to digest anything. So, the next one yeah. was barley water. Um, kind of, you know, makes sense. There's some nutrients in, in the sore in the barley water. I mean, this one was really, really, really funny with, for me is the last group he gave seawater. Just seawater. Like, <laughs> you, like you, you would think that these sailors being on the sea would have probably tested that by now. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, the the group. So yeah, the the test by James Lind it was uh, citrus fruits, vinegar, diluted sulfuric sulfuric acid, barley water, and sea water. Amen. Uh, he wrote. He actually wrote yeah, a book over sulfuric acid. People he hated. Yeah. So um, I'm convinced. 
So yeah, the, then he, the, over time he saw that the, the symptoms were being reduced and cured by the, the citrus fruits and then he wrote a book on it, kind of detailing it. But it, it took a while for it to actually take, um, to be taken on as, um, I guess, yeah. yeah, implemented. Um, so yeah, like even, even before it was used for cooking, um, it was known to have medicinal properties, um, the, the, the lemon itself. And then currently, like in a modern day, in California, Florida, and Arizona are the leading states for lemon cultivation in the US, where like a multitude of cultivars are grown for like their juice, their oil, their yield, their vigor, and, yeah. and so on and so forth. Like I read, I think the paper That's that I read, see, yeah. the article that I was reading, um, that was it was published in 1987, and in 1987 it said there was 200 different cultivars of lemon that was growing in the U.S. So, U.S. soil alone. So like it's insane to think how much there actually is now. And then on the global scale, lemons can be found growing on pretty much every continent except Antarctica. And I actually found out that lemons can actually grow in my home country of Philippines, but at like certain altitudes, because we've got we've got the same we've got the right temperature and stuff like that but apparently there's the humidity or something like that there's something different it needs to be at the right altitude so yeah it's kind of just mad to okay. like the reason why i got interested in this was like it's mad to think that something like you i've been using for years like there there's a whole journey there's a whole story from millions of years ago to now how that lemon came through and the fact that like to a certain <laughs> to a certain degree i don't know if you could even con consider them apart from pomelo's mandarins um papedas and citron all other citrus fruits are gmo they're all genetically modified organisms <laughs> because <laughs> i'm tango made of lemon we can't eat them anymore <laughs> because uh we've we've ha had our hand in in in, in um cultivating them yeah and, like it's it's apparently surprisingly easy to actually do it um because ci uh, citrus fruits are very um receptive to all sorts uh, of crossbreeding so like when I was reading further, but I didn't go too deep into it. Like apparently the the the, the grapefruit's only about three hundred years old, something like that, which is it's really young. I know how we're gonna make our million pounds, Josh. We're gonna make a new citrus fruit. We're gonna make a new citrus fruit, and we're just gonna call it. What we're we gonna call the citrus fruit? What wait? What what would you what 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 do we need from a new citrus fruit? Like I was I've seen I seen uh, um an episode. I can't remember what I was watching, but they were doing like caviar limes. I'm sure you've heard of caviar limes. Uh, no, I've not actually. No, so caviar limes, they're, they're pretty, they're limes that are quite elongated. And they're, they're, they're grown specifically so that the pulp inside is loose. It's not like, it's not like connected by fibers. And they're very cylindrical as opposed to, um, oh, sorry, not cylindrical, they're very spherical as opposed to cylindrical. And the reason why they're designed that, that, um, or cultivated that way is so it looks like caviar. And uh, oh, I have heard of these. Yeah, so these so they sell. Yeah, they sell them in the same tins of like actual caviar, and they're used. Um, they're they're used by chefs and in, in, in restaurants around the around the world as kind of like um garnish on top of stuff. So it looks like a really yeah, nice little yeah. So that was so those are they're pretty much like premium limes that you you can you can go through. And I, I was I was looking. I was looking. <laughs> this is also another really funny one. I was looking if I could find like really weird kind of combinations of of um, hybridizations and see if there's anything that failed or whatnot. So like yuzu is a really interesting one because it has a really interesting flavor. And you got tangelos. Tangelos are really cool. They look like oranges with a little nipple because they're blend. They're they're hybridized with pomelos. And then I found this one. And the name of it really makes me laugh. So I'm going to explain what it looks like first, okay? 
What happens is in the process of hybridizing this plant, half of it becomes a lemon and the other half becomes a lime in the same plant. Right? In the same fruit. Yeah, in the same no no, in the same well, first off, in the plant itself. So the plant itself can both grow lemons and limes. Okay, that's quite cool. Actually. Yeah. But sometimes what happens is the fruit has a little bit of an identity crisis and it becomes half of the fruit is a lime and the other half is a lemon so it looks like a hammerhead <laughs> basically <laughs> and, and oh, no no it doesn't do it like that it does, it does. <laughs> yeah. right in the middle <laughs> yeah and literally looked like it just glued it together <laughs> and the the first time they the first time they um, found this was in like i think it was in the 1700s or 17 or 1800s and i, th- I believe it was in florence or Flor- fiorentina or something like that and the guy they named the way that they named it was really funny so i'm gonna i'm gonna go through i'm gonna go through how i think the process went in my head the the conversation between the two scientists or the botanists or whatever they found the fruit and they went huh that's really bizarre and the other guy went yeah and then the first guy went bizarre yeah bizarria the fruit is called a bizarria (laughs) <laughs> so yeah <laughs> that's how i think that conversation went in my head and i there's there's no one else in the world that can tell me otherwise that that's how science works but yeah the the um you can for, it's just kind kind of interesting that we could like you said we can create our own uh, we could create our own citrus and we could yeah let's get the most useless qualities of all the fruits i want one of the biggest seeds the most <laughs> can, 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 fruit. can we can we make it that it's just seed pith and pe- peel like there's no pulp like yeah. it's just it's just there's nothing <laughs> nothing of use it could be an actual ornament yeah and then there's like no zest so you don't get any oil from it either and it's <laughs> when 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 seed. Oh, oh by the way also people always wash your lemons when you get them because they're always waxed that's why they tell you to the wash them when you wash them the wax comes off yeah um we'll have to we'll put wax on that you can't get off so that it, it'll just last forever into it so it's just beeswax naturally in the fruit you can't boil it off it's just in there little dots inside the pit so yeah pretty much I, I was fascinated i was i was really fascinated by the story and um i, I also just found it funny that when I, like i had to go back to i had to go back to first year of high school just to remember how plants reproduce because I, I for the li- for the life of me i couldn't remember what a pistol or a stamen or a style or an anthro was like the last time last time i did biology was like third year something like that yeah third and fourth year yeah it was the last time i did biology but yeah cool story how citruses are how, how citruses came about and um i hope you i hope you enjoyed i hope you learned something as well i did actually yeah yeah and learned that we could make a bloody useless fruit. <laughs> I like how the thing that we got out of this is how can we make something we can't sell as a fruit? <laughs> no, no, people will buy it because they can't use it. <laughs> but it's like a Bella Delphine's bathwater. Oh right, uh, there's you're saying there's a certain amount of prestige to having it, or a certain amount of like collector's edition yeah. <laughs> item to have it. Yeah, we got much fruit. What have you got? <laughs> we could call it bathwater citrus, and then. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the name of our citrus area and it, all it, it, it it's it's supposed to be grown inside like imagine if we could do it like a bonsai you know and 
it, it, had, it could only grow inside like the your your bathroom or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like somewhere like superhuman human environments. <laughs> yeah, superhuman environments. But yeah, this is kind of where we want to go through, or kind of these stories that we want to do with these podcasts. Like uh, the way Jack um, explained it to me earlier, it's like this podcast is going to be about like pub quiz information of stuff that may that you didn't know maybe you did know maybe you didn't know but regardless it's it interesting will stuff get you a pint. yeah it will only, like it'll it might only ever win you a pint or maybe like if you can pick up a bird or something or or, or a lad because you have this really very specific knowledge of how f- citrus fruits were cultivated for millions of years <laughs> but <laughs> but the bell delphine bathwater the bell delphine bathwater citrus that only grows in your bathroom um buy it here folks uh buy it here first at the at the uh oh i forgot the name of the damn podcast the a table for two a table or two for a table or two yeah this is my idea <laughs> a table or two with a view podcast um so keep an eye out with that so, yeah. so next next uh, episode should be coming from Jack. Um, yeah. and we'll have something cooked up, delicious, hot and steamy, and ready for your consumption of the mind. And he will be teaching it to me, and I should hopefully learn something. And maybe we'll end up with our, another product that we'll have to put on the store. Um, <laughs> but hopefully you enjoyed it. And just 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 to wrap up the final, like a little final statement. It's like. It's not probably it's probably not about when life gives you lemons. It's probably more about what life gives you to make lemons is what you make life out of. Yeah. Abraham. Wow, you're so deep. Did you come up with that all by yourself? Wow, man. Whoa. Quote. Quote. Abraham Abraham Lincoln probably at some point. Right, thank you very much, folks. This has been your your, your hosts, Josh Campbell. Jack Penley. Absolute pleasure. Right, bye-bye.